and do your dirty work of going and complaining to yeah. somebody for you ain't going to happen. No. I'm feeling like the third bird dog. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you have babe. to be excommunicated, kicked out of relationship. And, and stuck in a basement. This message sucks. stinks. <laughs> Flips There's it. explicit there right go. there. Welcome to the club of the initiated man. You better not be recording this or I'm never walking with you again. Oh, there we are. Got a sassy brunette. You know, do something. Do, do something. anything, but just don't sit there. Hey, don't you have something better to do? You've stumbled on the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast from Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada, where we discuss hiking, culture, life, theology, running, stories, West Africa, books, you name it. Hello and welcome. We're here at the Three Bird Dogs podcast. We have a special guest today. His name is Tim Cook and Andy Rayner is here as well. And so hello there and welcome to the show, Tim. I'm feeling like the third bird dog. <laughs> Welcome to the club, man. <laughs> Thank you, you have man. to be excommunicated, uh, uh, kicked out of relationships. And, and stuck in a basement. Yeah, and stuck in a basement and things like that to uh, get this job. In so. an overly hot room. You, yeah, I, I get you it. Last week I was hanging out in a monastery, and this week I'm hanging out in a monastery in the basement. Uh, exactly. Tell us about the monastery. Why, yeah. why don't we ask about that? Oh well, it was great. We got to uh, I got to be in PEI last weekend, so two weeks in a row over here on the island. And first thing I realized is when you're driving the back roads on the way to Cavendish, when you come off the bridge, you go through that uh, Kinkora Way, mm, yeah, and, and there's no snow plows. No, <laughs> there's like six <laughs> inches of snow on the road, and then some sand on the top. And if you don't have a four wheel drive, you are done. Yeah. yeah, this is the blessing that you get when you live in Prince Edward Island, and. For those that are listening south of the border, we have igloos until July. Polar bears come in our backyards. <laughs> That's only on the Cobbaquid Pass on the way home to Nova Scotia, but which, by the way, was closed on the way home to Nova Scotia. Well, there you go. I was wondering if you're going to actually make it because Tim and I were talking. The 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 basically when the when the government offices close on Prince Edward Island for a snow day, it's basically their indication of stay off the roads. Yeah. And so Tim's like, well, I'm going to be heading to Halifax. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> well, well, didn't all your meetings get canceled last week, too, that you were scheduled or something? Well, well, they did because people had to drive five to ten minutes, so I drove six hours home. I, I hear you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's two hours for me to come to Charlottetown and Ooh. eight hours for them to come my way. So. Exactly. <laughs> so, Tim, you are doing some things in, in the Halifax-Dartmouth area, the greater Halifax region. And and you're you know you're you're the wild guy. You're the man who, like the Apostle Paul, says, you know what? I want to plant some churches. I, I want to make a difference. And you've had some experience. Kind of tell us what uh, some of those experiences are like. Well, the wild guy. I don't know if I like being known as the wild guy. It's but a very positive. Wild I'll take guy it sense. positive. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so uh, church planting. Yeah, we we planted a church. My wife and I planted a church back in 2013 in Dartmouth in a movie theater, and that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we got to do some some great things there, and a number of people were led to the Lord. 53 people got baptized. It, it was a great experience. Uh, we're planning another church now, and it's called Hub 214. 
Mm-hmm. Complete different model. Okay, so what what's this model? I'd refer to this as a coffee host ministry. Mm-hmm. So we've leased a, a twelve hundred square foot facility, and it's wide open right now. It's being renovated. Renovations start in a couple of weeks, and we'll be ready April third is our new target date. And so that coffee host is you know thirty five seats. And it's a coffee house during the week. And our prayer is that when people walk into this coffee house, they feel something different. Yeah. I mean, the place is being prayed over in the morning. There's people working there that are ready to love on the community. And it's, you know, it's borough-based. It's it's right in the community. That's kind of the coffee house side. Mm-hmm. But that's just one side. So the other side of two, Hub 214 is Hub 214 Church. Mm-hmm. And we're meeting out of the coffee house. Right now, we're meeting out of our homes as right. we get ready. Uh, you'd call it soft launch, I guess, in the church planting world, but it's it's a unique soft launch, let me say. Right. Um, it's not. Uh, we're not hanging door hangers and and right. doing radio ads and. Yeah. Well, I, I remember the door hangers. I Dartmouth is a fun place to do door hangers. Hmm. It's Stairmasterville. That's that's what I want to call it. <laughs> How big were those those sores on the bottom of your feet after? Yeah. It was it was big. Uh, not as big as some other church planters I've, I've heard of, where they said their whole foot was one giant uh, uh, bruise and stuff. I, it wasn't that bad. I was just a, a minor door hanger person for a bit, but it wasn't fun. But anyway, tell us tell us more what what, what kind of dynamics are you looking for in this particular? Because like that first church plant that you're working, you know, is it's it had the flash, you had the band. What, is there anything different about this one? Well, first of all, we don't have the guy with the key tire up front. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> love that guy, but um, that's so that's okay. This is a lot different. We're looking to grow to mega church uh-huh. in Hammonds Plains. That's fifty people. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we're looking to grow a church with disciples that have a desire to make disciples. Right. So it's not about how many people can you pack into the space. It's not about the great band up front. It's not about having the greatest message in the world prepared that you've spent 20, 30 hours getting yes. ready. It's, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word organic, but it... Right. This fits in something that Tim and I have talked about, and I know... In a different way, Annie and I have been talking about is you're leading people to Christ, and I know that some people talk about that, but what are you leading them to? And and one of the problems that I I wonder because you know Tim's a salesman, he has a sales background, so you know his profession started out where? Just give us a quick brief background of what you were before you started to plant churches because you didn't start out planting churches. Well, first of all, I wasn't a Jesus follower. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I came to know the Lord in 2005. Okay. Uh, But I was working for Nortel Mm -hmm. uh, in sales here, always in Atlanta, Canada. I worked for HP and I worked for GE, so all these big tech companies. Yeah. And it was was networking, and I got to travel Atlanta, Canada, and I loved that. I loved meeting new people every day, and... Got to sell some really cool stuff, kind of like the cool stuff on the on your desk right now. All this, all this tech that, that's the only it. reason why I'm here. I'm the guy that plugs in the wires. You're very good at it. Very good at it. 
<laughs> so, so, so can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, this time starting out, you say it's completely different, okay? And we always learn something from our past experiences. I always say you plant one church to figure it out, the second one to maybe think that that's right or wrong, and maybe the third one is where we might actually begin to think that, uh, that uh, you know, we might have a little understanding. That's my opinion anyway. But th- what are you looking forward to doing, stopping doing from the last time? And uh, what is it you're looking forward to doing? Um, the, mo- the, the one thing you're most excited about doing different. That, that's the key thing. Well, hang on a second. Are you saying the second one's not going to work? <laughs> no, no. I, I, I never said not work. I just said I, 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 we start getting good by the third one. The subtle little extras. Yeah. Well, it, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that because, uh, you know, failure is no fun. It, yeah, but... I think in the church planning world, it's necessary and happens because I remember Andy and I going and listening to Neil Cole, and Neil Cole said, Mm -hmm. you know, he had to plant three churches before that third one actually planted other churches. And and Reggie McNeil, when they were back when they made the goal to like double the Southern Baptist churches, um, they went through this whole process of of church planning and and, and ramping that up. And they thought they had a great success because when they ramped it up, they had a 20, I think it was a 27 or 28% success rate. And that means that 75% of everything they started failed. And, but see, this is the thing in the church, we can never fail because see, failure is determined by you hung a shingle and it is the, is it's still there 80 years later. And Reggie McNeil and these guys in the Southern Baptist movement realize, you know what? Uh, not everything you start is going to work. It's like a business. Small businesses in a small town, one thing works and the other one doesn't. You shift and you try something different. And and we just don't seem to give that freedom in church planning. No, it's and, like you failed because yeah, we only have $10 and we put all yeah, the $10. Yeah, and, we, and they forget the, the 50-some people that you were baptized at that church and they go, oh, well, the church closed. No, it didn't. Because you don't close church on 50-some people who right. have been immersed into Christ. Yeah. Where did they flow to? And that that's something that I always remind people. The success is not the shingle. It's it's are they still walking with Christ, and where yeah. have they flowed to bless the kingdom of God and, and further the kingdom of God today? And that's not necessarily um, measured by, um, do I have a church of 150 people here in this location? Um, because those people are obviously gone somewhere have been blessed and are in turn taking that blessing and turning it over to somebody else. And uh, so I, I take a, a different view of that. I don't judge people by, you know, what what happened today and what's it doing 10 years down the road in the sense of an institutional thing. It's, yeah, uh, and so. that goes back to the question that I was kind of raising, uh, you know, it's that whole thing of, you, you know, you as you said, you've, you've baptized so many people, but how many people are still following Jesus? How many people, you know, I mean, this is a question I have. Like, I, I, I want to share Jesus with people, but I don't, you know, as, you know, the parable of the soil, one of one out of four, you know, is like, but yet that, that, that one produced lots and lots of fruit. But this is a challenge. You know, we're, we're not talking about a factory that's producing cars. Mm-mm. We're talking about people. And, and people, they come, they go. And, you know, what I want is people to have Jesus in their life because they love Jesus. And all of a sudden, that transformation begins, and sometimes that transformation may take twenty years, mm-hmm. thirty years. I mean, I'm still in process. Yeah, and allow that uh, that uh, regenerative, regenerative uh, uh, conversion uh, influence and dynamic in your life to flow 
not just at a local church and into a local church, but into the relationships around you. And so that's got to be part of our measuring metrics, I think, is, is, is you know, uh, we always, you know, are in this, this older model where, well, you know, my, my child is doing something on stage at church, which is great. That, that's a wonderful thing, but, but that's not the whole answer. It's not how involved are we here for an hour or two on Sunday. It's, it's how does that, how is that flowing into our relationships around us through the week too? And that's the greater measure of success, I think. Uh, what's it doing in our home? Well, when I listened to your podcast last week, when I was over on the island, I thought I was coming here this morning to talk about Speedos and Cheetos. <laughs> but, but, oh, you know, oh, we wrong can. podcast, man. But, but this is going to be uh, this is going to be a lot of fun uh, to answer this question. I'll tell you, uh, you've got about four questions in there, but I'm yeah. going to try hit them all very quickly. The first thing is, in the first three years of church planting, it was so much fun. Oh yes, things were going so well. And yep. the place was growing, and I thought, what are you pastors talking about? This yeah. is easy. Yeah. You can't beat yeah. the enthusiasm yeah. of the, like first the first year. It's like the first child. It's the yeah. second born that comes along. There. Yeah. So, we, you know, I, I, so I remember Sunday mornings, I, I could not wait to get in this movie theater. Yeah. Was, every Saturday night was like Christmas Eve. Yeah. Man. I wanted to be in there, and I wanted to be yeah. corporate worshiping ha- with all these the people. the time of your life. The band was rocking. I got to preach the gospel. People were being... It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but looking back, I mean, I've categorized it into four four areas to answer your question. And the first big one was, I made a whole pile of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like being an entrepreneur. You go in there and you try something, it doesn't right. work, so you go to the other direction, and yeah. people are like, what are you doing? What You keep moving. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, so that would be the first thing is, is, I don't think you ever go into it fully prepared. Um, th- there was three other things, and, and I'm thinking back on one of them was I changed programs too quickly. You know, the vision stays the same to right. make disciples that make disciples, but how you do it, you can do it a number of different ways. And in yeah. four years, I tried four different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, that, Which one did you find was most helpful? Well, you know, we got together as this church that was reaching out to people in need of a fresh start with God, people that had never been to a church before people maybe that hadn't been to church in a long time. So there was all kinds of people coming from different walks of lives, different denominations. Some people had never been to church, and it was wonderful. It was beautiful. But about three years in, you realize, man, we all need to be on the same page, going in the same direction. Right. And so we started to teach just basic doctrine, essential doctrines. Who is Jesus? How do you become... How does a person get saved? What is sin? How are our sins forgiven? All those things. And we were going through just basic doctrine. And at that point, it, it was very clear that most people weren't on the same yeah, page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone has their own agendas. Yeah. So I think that's kind of two answers to your question. That was the one I enjoyed the most, mm-hmm. uh, but it was also the one that was uh, that caused the most amount of talk. Yeah, yeah, most eye-opening, eh? It was, yeah. it was. But I'd love to talk about the future. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, this new coffee house ministry I'm really excited about, Hub 214 and... 
Hub, the name Hub 214 itself comes from Habakkuk 214. Okay, well, there's it there. I didn't know that. I saw I saw your handle, but I didn't know where it came from. I thought it might have been a street address, like the mall you're in or something. Well, it's funny <laughs> you should say that. We're on Highway 213 that I only realized uh, afterwards. Okay. <laughs> but Hub two, uh, Habakkuk 214, I believe, is God's vision. He says, The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall be known all over the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so that's been a key scripture for us. And we know the Bible teaches us very clearly that God is going to do this through his church with Jesus as the head over the church. Mm-hmm. And so Hub was a cool name that we, it was a gathering place at the first church plant we had. So we kind of took Hub and Habakkuk 2.14 and put them together and up came Hub 2.14. And in the logo, you'll see a wave. And that wave is a wave of the gospel being spread clear across Metro and beyond. Yeah. So you know, you might walk into this coffee house and be an atheist or be someone uh, agnostic and not even know that we're a church of, of any sort. And we're not. Hub 214 is a coffee house mm-hmm. designed to serve the community. I think one of the challenges of, of today, people, I think, are interested in God and Jesus, but they don't want all the trappings of church. And I don't know why, but I, that just seems to be... There is a desire for these things that, you know, obviously are eternal, but right now, to the average non-believer, they just don't, like the the whole church church, you know, they want nothing to do with that. They don't trust it. They have a bad memory or someone in their family was hurt. And I think the idea of just having a place where people can go, I mean, let's be honest, it's it's kind of like the bartender at the bar listening to, you know, the guys that are coming in, you know, tell me your story. I think of Billy Joel's song, The Piano Man. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what you're getting at is you have a place. They're selling coffee. If you need prayer, we're there for prayer, but we're not going to bug you. I mean, is that? Well, uh, yes. My office is at the back of the coffee shop, and there's a window in it so I can see what's going on outside. Is there a sign on the door, and what does it say? There isn't. Okay, good. Uh, it doesn't it, say Pastor Tim. It doesn't. And 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 the door will never be closed. Yeah. The door will be open. So if there was a sign, they'd never see it. Yeah, but, that's good. Um, you know, the other idea is that they can see in. And so if, if somebody wants prayer and the barista is serving up coffee and they're discerning that this person is really hurting, yeah. hey, do you want to talk to somebody about that? Pastor Tim's right back there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and my job will be to be discerning and hanging out in the coffee shop and looking for areas to help. But we also want to, it's not just in those four walls, we want to go out into the community. And we started that, you know, over Christmas, we went into the long-term care facility down the road and sang Christmas carols. Yeah. yeah. And it Great was, stuff. you know, kind of old school, but it was a ball. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're addressing old school people and they're blessed by that old school stuff and that they're part of the community too. Exactly. Yeah. They're often forgotten. Oh, terribly so. Now the church side, I haven't even talked about the church side yet. Yeah. Let's hear about the church side. The church side, uh, you know, I talked about all these different programs and, uh, I'm looking at the books behind you on the shelf, Tom. I think I've read every one of them, and I've, I think I've read every book there is to do with how to make disciples. Yeah. And gone to all the conferences and so on. And I, br- I burned all my leadership books, $3,000 <laughs> worth, <laughs> yeah. and I stopped signing up for leadership conferences. I'm not talking about discipleship books. Yeah. I'm talking about leadership books. I burnt $3,000 worth of books in my backyard, everything that's uh, about leadership. So... 
carry on. Tell us what. Uh, oh, 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 well, I don't know where to go now. No. <laughs> well, gas. I'm patches. blessed to be part of a of a learning community, and uh, we meet with uh, a gentleman named Shadonke Johnson, who's from Sierra Leone, and he's planted two thousand churches, and he's he's taught me so much uh, listening listening to him and learning from him, and his model is pretty simple: you pray and you fast. Yeah, and the Lord leads you. Put these people, puts these people in your path. Usually, a person of peace, and from that person of peace, then He uses something called Discovery Bible Studies or DBSs. Mm-hmm. And so, this is what we're doing at Hub Two Fourteen. And a DBS is pretty simple. You pull out a piece of scripture. Everybody reads that piece of scripture out loud in, in your small group of mm-hmm. usually same gender of, of three people, three to four people, and then there's four simple questions. What do we learn about the nature of God? What do we learn about the nature of humans? What is the scripture saying to you? What are you going to change? And who else do you need to share this with? Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you get together the next week or the next couple of days, whenever you decide you're going to get together amongst yourselves, the first question is, so what'd you do? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know how many people talk to me about, I need a deep Bible study. I need a deep Bible study. And I'm like, what's a deep... What's Usually deep- they want to argue is what they want. Well, no, no, they want on. you to prepare the Bible study, and then you come and deliver it, and then they listen. That's the deep Bible well, study I usually have. But also then to correct everything that he did wrong in the Bible study oh, that you prepared. Man, I told you I don't do anything. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't know those types, Tom. I know. Don't know those at all. <laughs> My first question usually is, so what scripture did you study last time you met, and what did you change in your life because of it? And they usually can't even remember the scripture. Yeah. 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 So that that's our pro I just explained our whole programming, man. That's the whole strategic plan right there. Get into the Bible and let it change your life and share yeah. it with others. Yeah. I was chatting with, with you, uh, Daniel McCoy at renew.org and and he was he's he shared me this one clip and Andy's been going through all the videos and I've watched a couple of them. Basically, it's a mission guy and and I'm like this guy sounds like Andy and so Andy's watching and he's like, "Yeah, this guy sounds like me." And his his approach is very simple and it's like it's like yours. You know, God, Jesus said we're supposed to love God, we're supposed to love people, and we're supposed to make disciples. I mean, when you bring it down to its basic element, that's really what it is. And I think that, you know, like you said, the Discovery Bible study, keep it simple. What does the Scripture say? What's it telling you about God? What's it telling you about the people that are in that situation? And what does it mean to you, and how are you going to share it with someone else? I mean, I think we complicate it. We mm-hmm. make it too yeah. big and robust, and we want to have all the bells and the whistles. Like, I don't know when I was a when I was in college, I needed a wheels, so I got a motorcycle because it got me from point A to point B. I mean, sometimes we have that student. We had a student. They had it was the car under the Cadillac, and and the president at the time. <laughs> had to get a new car because his car was the same as this this kid's car. And I mean, the kid had money, and, and it's like, and I had the cheap motorcycle <laughs> going from point A to point B, and sometimes we just, I think, overthink stuff, overdo stuff. And I think we, you know, I think it should be simple. I think, you know, it, we should be able to carry it in our heads. You know, I've chatted with Andy about this. You know, the apostles, when he sent them out, Matthew 10, you know, don't take anything with you. Go in the villages. This is what you're looking for. Find that person of peace. Go to their house. Stay. 
share Jesus as long as you can, and when you're done, you're done. And heal if you can heal, you know, if the people are, you know, if you're able to do that, help them in some way physically, and move on to the next location. Well, I haven't told you about, speaking of next locations, I haven't told you about the best part yet. The best part is we're not, like I said, we're not looking to grow this church. You know, it needs to be 150 people within three years. Yeah, yeah. And we're not spending $1.5 million to make this, you know, get this church going. Uh, This church, what our prayer is as we pray and fast together, and by the way, the whole launch team is praying and fasting together. How cool is that? (laughs) That's good. So we're teaching what, why do you pray and fast? That's, you know, how do you do it? And we're, and we're doing it together, and, and some amazing things are happening. And so the prayer is that the Lord sends us disciples that have a willingness and a desire to make disciples. That's our immediate prayer. Our vision is that, oh, to these people that come to the coffee house, that these people are going to want to go plant their own coffee house. Yeah. And so we want to plant 60 of these in Atlantic Canada in 10 years. That, yeah. That'd be awesome. I like it. Mm-hmm. See, that's a problem. Is we don't we also think too small <laughs> when we're thinking of stuff. We're like, oh, okay, let's see, ten years. I think we can get one. Mm. Maybe well, it's two. it's because we we all, we're always thinking addition, and uh, you know, because of it, it seems to be yeah. our default programming rather than multiplication. Because the addition is always about what what am I able to do? What who, how many people am I able to get in here by the program I devise? Whereas multiplication is is okay. I train some people. We work with people, and we release people, and then then. They they they're off doing their own thing. They don't need me anymore, and that's the multiplication. I, me- I remember in West Africa, we had a had a guy that well, we we saw a people movement towards Christ literally explode. They had been working for ten years in this group, and there was there was no church started, and uh, things just kind of exploded overnight. Where they had these groups just coming out saying they wanted to be Jesus followers now. And I remember one of the early Christians in that group, he didn't know what to do about it. And uh, <clears throat> he thought he was going to have to go and try and visit all of these 20 villages. And I said, you could never be there enough to, to do this. And he said, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I said, what you need to do is pick pick uh, two or three people from central areas in, in among those 20 villages, bring them in and teach them. And he says, and, and, uh, and, and he said, well, then I said, then I asked him, I said, now, after you teach them a class, what are they supposed to do? He says, they, they go back and preach in their village. And I said, no. And he went, you know, he was kind of startled and looked at me and he said, what do you mean? No, no. I said, you teach them. They're now supposed to go back to their village and they pick three or four or five people like, like you did in their village and in the surrounding villages and they teach them. So you're teaching the teachers that teach the preachers. And I said, and the, and I showed him on paper, I said, I said, if you just do that to, to the second generation, I said, you can cover uh, 38 villages by next week. And I said, so, you know, you're not just teaching a preacher who goes and does it. You're teaching the teacher who teaches the preachers, and hopefully they'll continue on to teach teachers who then go go to another village. You don't go and preach for somebody else in their other village. That's what Shadonke says <clears throat> as well in Sierra Leone. He said somebody, they are exposed to the text, they're exposed to the scripture, they're they become Jesus followers within three weeks. Mm-hmm. So in his movement, every disciple is a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. So everybody understands that once you become a follower of Jesus, you're changed by Jesus and you're on mission for Jesus. Yeah. And automatically, within three weeks, they're out leading Discovery Bible studies mm-hmm. in their families, yep. and then that multiplies. And so, like you said, whole villages become disciple makers who make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so the movement's not only just with 
followers of Jesus, but it becomes more leaders, more churches, yeah. and everybody's a leader. Everybody's a disciple maker. And we've learned uh, through Renew.org that the gospel that you preach determines the disciple that you will reach and teach. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a summary of, of what you just said. Yeah, oh, yeah I well, so. I know the, the classic way of doing it, and I remember this discussion years ago talking to people you know, uh, well, we need to we need to reach someone and, and get them baptized. You know, the restoration movement is always about baptism and stuff. And so, you know, you have someone that comes to to know Jesus, but then, okay, now we have to educate them and prepare them and and raise them up to be leaders. And so, this takes another twenty years, and then in the end, they are off doing something else that's not church related or anything, or mm-hmm. you know, not even discipleship. And then they're wondering, well, why isn't stuff working? I thought it was the college's job to pump out those leaders to send to the churches, Tom. I mean, yeah. what's exactly. going on? Exactly, and that also fits in that paradigm where all of a sudden it's the Bible college oh, that's supposed to do everything. I, I can't hang around such failure. And, and, and <laughs> it's just like, let's push it off on someone else, and it's someone else's own. job. Yeah. And I tell you, you know, when you talk about everything that's here, I think for, for some people, that like, Really? That's what we're really like. I think they'd be shocked. I got really. an idea. What? Why don't we teach disciples how to make disciples at the college? Yeah. Yeah, and and I think it's fascinating. Where even today people are still thinking, but but those people that only know Jesus for three and a half weeks, they don't know their apologetics. They don't know their theology, and it's like. They know Jesus. They they know Jesus. <laughs> so Shadonke will what he says the way they train is Shadonke will go do this Discovery Bible study, and the disciple will come with him and watch him do it. Exactly. The next time they do it, and he watches, and the third time when they're ready, usually after the third time, he says, okay, now you yep, you just go, go do it. it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, we're, we, we've, we've so professionalized our discipleship and what it is. It's simply, it's simply telling the story of Christ and his kingdom and how, we, how he's moving and working in our lives and in other people around us. Uh, we see it there. It, and you know, I also think we it's make a it challenge. A theology they don't even discussion. trust the Holy Spirit. That's the big revelation I had a yeah. couple of years ago. Wait a second. Well, the Holy Spirit in Acts, the book of Acts, is doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And really, we're trying to catch up to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I'm thinking, so what have we been doing for 30 or 40 years? Trying to quell, quash, you know, the, the Holy Spirit? Because, you know, what we used to think of, this is what we're supposed to do. It's like, no wonder we're in a situation where you look around and things just are not looking good. Mm-hmm. And churches are closing. And I'm thinking... The freedom of just saying, you know, it's simple. You need to know Jesus. You need to love Jesus, and you need to tell others about Jesus. I mean, that's all you really need. Mm-hmm. And God and the Holy Spirit is going to start doing stuff. But that is such a hard. I, I guess it's like that that seed where the outer thing is so the outer shell is so hard. You really have to penetrate it. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, there's great opportunities that we have in many locations, but we're losing it because we're still stuck thinking, well, first, we got to get them to come to church physically. And then somehow when they enter the church building on a Sunday morning... We've won. Let's all cheer. Something something (laughs) is miraculously going to happen, which then they realize, well, now that we have this person, I guess we need to have a Sunday school class for that person. And then you got to meet with the elders to make a decision <laughs> of what this, and then you decide to have your Sunday school class. I'm like, 
That well, sounds like the do it for you, do it to you model we talked about, Tom. <laughs> I think there's a balance, though. Yeah. Uh, there's a balance where, and I've caught myself already in Hub 214. You know, my nature is let's get let's get yeah. a praise team together, let's mm. get a sermon ready, let's get up on stage, let's get the chairs out, let's let's and I we started doing that meeting in our in the shell, and I was like, hang that's on, our, that's our it. that's our default mechanism. All, wherever you go around planet Earth, that's the default mechanism that's been wired into the for, or strain of Christianity that we that we've been given. It is, but I think the balance <laughs> comes from. I think of spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I think of the yep. Bible says never give up meeting together. Yep. So yes. a lot of times I, t- I talk to my friends who, you know, they're seeking Jesus, and and I know they're seeking Jesus, but they're they're not going to church, and you know, yeah. But they're not. They're also not willing to take the time to make the choice. Yeah. To hang out with a group of people and have a meal with them and talk about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what you ask them, but if you ask them, hey. Um, I'm playing in a basketball tournament this weekend. Uh, could, could, would you like to play with us on Friday night and Saturday? Yeah, no problem. I got it. I'm with you. Exactly. But if you said, hey, uh, this weekend we're going to get together, we're going to discuss a piece of scripture on Friday night, uh, we're going to barbecue some burgers, and maybe we'll play a game of crib or something. Nah, I yeah. can't. <laughs> so I, it's those choices, and I come back to the spiritual disciplines. If we make a choice to gather together as a, follow, mm-hmm. a group of followers of followers of Jesus, and we make a choice to get together to talk about how are we going to make disciples, and if we get together to pray together, and yeah. we're going to pray, agree to pray and fast together, those are choices in yep. spiritual disciplines yeah. that people need to be willing to make the choice to do, and you're right. And, and you said that, like, like uh, uh, you know, kind of when you do the Bible studies that you call them, it was kind of like a... DBSs. Yeah, a kind of feeling out where people are at or whatever else. Like like when you describe what you're talking about doing at hu- the hub, they're praying and fasting together. What better way to know who to, who to invest your time with as, as a leader <laughs> than those who are willing to submit themselves to scripture reading, prayer, and fasting? Okay, you know that these guys these guys are, are above the level of, of consumer of this this church yeah. here or consumer of what it is I'm trying to do. They're, they're, they're the one... That's how you screen them that that's it's it's the people who are willing to take take steps forward and when you see them taking steps forward that's the ones you invest in that's the one you sow into and so i think it's quite great to see a group of people you know praying and fasting like where do we where do we see that a lot in in, in a sunday morning church anymore we would see that as a distraction from our band and our normal preaching if we just took a group of people on Sunday and fasted and prayed and discussed a scripture and didn't have the band or whatever, a lot of people go, is is that real church? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you got people in the scripture and praying and fasting together and discussing and fellowship together. You've got church and not just do you have a church, you you have, have a, a, a something that's alive, something that's organic yeah. there. Well, if you want to scare people away from a church, you just talk about <laughs> prayer and fasting and not eating. Yeah. Or, or, or a Bible reading program. You, you'll never see a church fight more than than if you wanted to put down a Bible reading program where where the whole church reads it together and then you get together in your Sunday schools and youth groups and your and your uh, adult Bible studies and you all discuss what you read this week. You you want to you want to see the devil squirm and work with people. Try try to actually make it so that the people who don't want to read it are going to be highlighted when all of the others yeah. do and they don't want to. They will not allow that to go forward to expose them. Once again, I think there's a balance there because. I agree with everything you said, Andy. The balance is we want to love on people. Yep. You want to love the community. And, and Tom, you and I have talked about this before. You know, before this disciple-making movement happened in Sierra Leone, there was some groundwork. Yeah. Shadonke and his people were burying the dead. Yeah. 
of uh, both sides. Yeah, not just Christians. People fighting, yeah. Yeah, but the other side of, of the fight. And uh, likewise, in the community, like you said, Andy, there's there's people that are going to come to the church. Right now, we're a launch team, which yeah. is different. Yeah, oh, yeah, I So the launch team, you know, you can ask them to pray and, and fast. When people come into a coffee shop to hear the gospel, the first thing you ask them is not going to be to pray. No, 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 and that—that's not who I was talking about. I'm talking about long, uh, long-held congregations, you know, established churches that have been there for a hundred years. Mm. That—that's the ones that squirm. You know, the people who've been in church for thirty years and and uh, and maybe still don't read the scripture much. I know. <laughs> you know that—that's well, I mean, the, the context I was looking even, at. Even yeah. growing mm. up, uh, the first time that fasting was introduced. In my world, was I was at Bible college, and I'm like, I'm eating. <laughs> I'm going to the cafeteria getting my food, and so other people are fasting. I'm one of just a handful chowing away. Cause, and, but now it's like, yeah, I, I want this whole prayer and fasting. So mine, mine's Monday. And then, you know, Andy and I have chatted about it. Like, Yeah, we uh, have an episode. Oh, well, I guess we did have yeah. a recording episode about it. Which, uh, what do you do for your fasting? Me personally, yeah, or the, personally, or the or the launch team, uh, I I, re- I don't eat. Mm-hmm. I, I just drink water uh, for a period of time that I decide, and um, I've been learning more and more about it. I'm actually studying spiritual formation right now, and uh, getting a little deeper into the theology, and just loving that part of it. By the way, yeah. I've, I've had some time because the coffee house is not ready yet, and it won't be ready till April third. I don't necessarily enjoy all, all the, the, the rest that I've been getting, uh, but it's yes. been a huge opportunity for me to uh, to form spiritually yeah. and, and to be better prepared to lead this church. Because I came across Isaiah 58, and it's all true fasting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I reread it, and, and, and it's like, you know, so mine is, you know, yeah, again, like you, you, you give up food for a certain time. I think you can give up. Uh, other things as well if you wanted to. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking Monday's a good day because you got to get charge of the week. Mm. For myself, this is just my own thinking. And, you know, last Monday was a rough one because, uh, you know, when 11 o'clock hit, I'm thinking, <laughs> I want to frap. <laughs> it's liquid. Oh, it's man. not food. <laughs> well, after that donair pizza we ate last night, I'm thinking today would be a great day to <laughs> fast. You know? yeah. yeah, that's going to stick with you for a day. We've been talking about fasting as being spiritual feasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, yes. And so we've been teaching people that it's not necessarily what you're giving up. You're giving up something physical, but you're gaining so much more exactly. spiritually. Yeah, it's what you're investing into in the fast. That's well, right. it's that connection with God, and, and it's like... Like, hey yeah. God, this is a real conversation I'd like to have, yeah. and 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 I know that that you're going to show up, but I need to get my head in the right space, in the right attitude, and I don't know. There's, there's something about it that it's incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is incredible. We watched. I mean, I, I'll put it in perspective. We're we're teaching about fasting now because if you just ask a, a launch team, for instance, hey, we're going to fast, yeah, it it will fail because <laughs> yeah. you you need to it, teach why yeah. are we fasting? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I, in the Bible, it's in it's over seventy times yeah. in both the Old Testament. Yeah. When Testament. you fast, not if, but yeah. when, when you fast yeah. is this phrase that Jesus uses, right? And at the end <laughs> of that phrase, I think <laughs> he he says, "And you will receive a reward mm-hmm. at that very exactly. at the end of that phrase." So yeah. and so we just fasted for a day together. 
last week, and, and we invited people. We didn't tell them they had to fast. Yeah. And so almost everybody did, including mm-hmm. my two kids who are 13 and 15, and uh, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yes. Good for them. Now, they didn't fast from food. They were in school all day, and yeah. that, that wasn't going to work. But they fasted, you know, one of them from social media, and that's, that's, that's yeah. pretty That's huge. what I mean by it doesn't <laughs> yeah. necessarily have to be food, because I think for some people, putting the phone away for a whole day... I mean that's a that's a challenge, and for some people that's, I mean they're connected to a lot of people, and you know I'm thinking of my wife, you know for her, you know to go without that that connection, I think she would go nuts. Mm-hmm. For I'm my, thinking, go ahead. I'm thinking of that balance that we that we talked about as well. So not everybody in the launch team might choose to fast. Yeah, and you said you know that kind of screens out, and, and I've, I've been thinking about that. Do you? So well, there's that balance. You, we're loving. Mm-hmm. You got to keep teaching and offering that spiritual discipline of the gathering together to hear the yeah. gospel more and, yep. to, and to see the gospel at work more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I also think that ties in with, you know, when we're discipling people and sharing Jesus with others, they almost have their, I mean, they're at their own pace. And, you know, that up and down, mm-hmm. you know, some people, they, they get it. Oh, no, no, they don't. Well, sometimes mm-hmm. they get it. No, 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 they don't. And it's like not everyone is going to follow this exact, you know, curve. And I mean, I guess maybe some people think, because I think even with Shadonke, going back to the scriptures again, I would be leery of when it becomes successful. Because Jesus, when when Capernaum got successful, he's like, no, let's move on, because early in the morning he's, he's praying Let's go on to these other villages. And it's like he turned away from that explosive success. And 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 it's like, because in that success, are people coming because they want to know Jesus, or are they coming because everyone else is there? So what you're saying is once the coffee shop, once Hub 214 Church is about 50 people and there's disciples making disciples, you better move on to the next one and go start another one. I think so. What a great idea, Tom. <laughs> I think so, because otherwise it becomes... Oh, look at all this wonderful stuff, but yet we are to reach the world, not just have one little place where we're the king yeah. of the kingdom. Sorry, I almost sound like I'm going against mega churches here. No, but I mean, the idea of uh, actually having a Jesus community within walking distance of everybody. I think that, know, on that's, the corner, a good, that's a good corner of every block statement. in a town and every city, like a place where people can walk out of their house and go in, and they, and within within a five or 10 minute walk, they, they can be at a place where they get their coffee in a very nice and where setting people actually and connect care with Jesus them. followers. Wow. A gathering place. Yeah. 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 Borough based. That's what I meant by borough based. It's right in the community, known for serving that community. By the open at in the evenings, you know, after business hours, open for the community mm-hmm. to use. Maybe it's an open mic night. I don't know. Like, yeah. Whatever. Maybe we're serving ice cream to the community on a hot summer night. I can't wait for one of those, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that'd Kinda be good. Co- it's cold over here. <laughs> it's <laughs> you, very cold. Yeah. As I drink my Frappuccino on this minus 13 Celsius day. <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't want to de- uh, derail it, but it was interesting. I, 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 I get, you know, sense in your struggle. Like you say, you went from, from a very, very, um, well, I should, I wouldn't even say traditional, but a model of church planning that was very regimented in the sense where you programmed a lot, you scheduled a lot, and you did a lot, and you, and, and you said, okay, now I feel like I'm, I'm not really doing enough, and there's that temptation, right? 
as a leader to to get back into that old paradigm because is this going to work? Am I doing enough to feed these people and nurture these people? And can I trust the Holy Spirit just through us getting together, reading scripture and prayer? But but I sense I sense that not, like for you, um, um, how 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 has that changed the way you? Um, live as a leader. And, uh, you know, I want you to flesh that out a little more. You've got me figured out in in, uh, 20 minutes here. (laughs) So uh, I think what you were describing would be attractional church. Mm -hmm. And I come from a sales background, as we talked about. So attractional... Is, that's very easy for me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to use different terms now. Upward mobility I think is very dangerous. Explain that. I'm wired that way. Yeah. And a lot of us are, you know, we want to climb the corporate ladder. We want to be the okay. boss. We want to you know, get the better job, making more money. I, and the people we're going to be sharing Jesus with have that mentality as well. And the church world can be very similar. You know, I want to yeah. have the bigger mm. congregation. I want to have the better band because if I don't have the better band, they're going to go to the church down the road that has exactly. the better band. So That's I better right. have the coolest guys here and, yep. and girls and and so on. And I'm and I'm wired that way. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So in my quiet time, which I shared with you, I haven't very much enjoyed, but I'm learning to enjoy. Yeah, but yep. it's a struggle to do the transition, right? Oh, it's it, it almost broke me. Uh, but yeah. where I am with it now is I'm learning that the downward mobility is the divine way. Mm-hmm. Jesus went to the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And he set the example. And the other thing I think of that I'll mesh in with this is Jesus had a very short ministry on earth. He spent the first 40 days praying and fasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So guess what we're doing as a church? Yeah. We're preparing through prayer and fasting. Lord, send us disciples that have a desire to make disciples. And I'm not trying to do all those things that, that I already know how to do using software and bands. and PowerPoint and, at, and your, no, at your coffee PowerPoint, thing. We're way past that. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> well, that, that brings well, in this whole question of, too, you know, it might weed out because usually when, whenever someone's going to plan a church, all the disgruntled people from everywhere else, just like a moth to flame. They come and check you out. They they all descend upon you. We've already got it. I, yeah. We're receiving emails. Hey, tell me about your new church. What do you believe? What kind of program do you use? It's not for you. Yeah. And uh, so, and then you say, well, we're praying and fasting. I just get my wife to answer those emails. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think Tom is right. You should just say, we, uh, we get together and pray and fast together over the scripture, and that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, they wouldn't come. They wouldn't come. Man. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise, I think that's that's one of the things that anyone's doing church planting is, you know, you almost have to weed out all those disgruntled people because they want to control it. They have their agenda. And like the like the, the situation of the high school track star or the high school football star, you know, someone in the in the bleachers thinks they've really helped this person come along the way. Well, these people come in, you've done all the legwork, you've mm-hmm. done all the work behind it, and they just want to take it over because yeah. obviously they helped you, Yeah, which well, in their own mind is like complete craziness, but they think it's true. Yeah, And it's just like, then they destroy it. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that comes with trying to grow that big church, and once again, I'm not against big church. I think it's fantastic when you see a large group of Jesus lovers that are on mission together going to do something that makes a big dent. Yeah. Yeah. And and everybody looks and goes, wow, look what that church is doing. I think that's amazing. And there's some churches in Metro that are doing that, and um, I love them. One of the things I think comes with big church or bigger church are more distractions. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't proven this yet, but I'm thinking 
that if we grow a church with disciple makers and it's smaller, and then you go do another one, that there would be less distractions. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to answering your very first question, Andy. Uh, you know, we're all just humans, and I'm, I've made a ton of mistakes. I'm in your club, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to make a pile more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I want to stay focused on making disciples that make disciples. So if every decision I make is based around will that help us to make disciples, I think there'll be less distractions. Because as we know, the bigger you get and the more people you have, the messier it gets mm -hmm. because we're all messed up, including yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's always going to be a challenge. Well, anyway, we, we've been talking for quite some time now, and it's time to wrap it up because, unfortunately, we have more work we have to do elsewhere. So I thank Tim for coming today, and as always, I'm grateful that Andy is here and plugging in the wires and getting everything organized because he's the I man. I was just so smart. I know, and I also thank Nathan and, and Jeremy Outhouse for supplying us uh, with the music, so thank you very much. That's how we do it. I think it's time to take it for one last burn. Are you still here? You must be a real sucker for punishment. Thank you for listening to the Invisible Humanitarian podcast today. Check out our website at theinvisiblehumanitarian.ca or check us out on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us and leave us a good rating on your favorite podcast subscriber. And please, whatever you do, tell all your crazy friends about this podcast. <laughs>